Welcome to the Thrive Today podcast. I'm Natalie Bourne. I'm the media host for Thrive Today and the founder of Innovation Meets Leadership. Well, our primary goal at Thrive Today is to help you identify the authority of God's word and connect it to your success at work. Well, today we're speaking with Maren Hadanubi. Maren has been a real estate practitioner in Guess what? One of my favorite places to go visit, Nashville, Tennessee. I just love it so much for two decades. And she is the owner of Crown Group Companies. And she's also a speaker and a trainer, and she sits on several boards and helps business owners make connections and grow their businesses. Welcome to the podcast, Marin. Thank you, Natalie. Well, it's so good to have you. And you know what? I loved your article in the this edition of the Thrive Today magazine because I'm going to be honest, you came out of the gate swinging a little bit. And you said some things that stepped on my toes in a really good way. You know, when you started your article, you talked about these aha moments you had when you were being coached. And you talked about how, you know, you were creating some artificial limits on yourself. I would love to dive right into that. You know, it's funny how coaching started for me. I was going through a really rough time, didn't know where to go. And I went to my pastor and talked to him and said, you know, I'm just at a place in my life where I feel very dry and I don't have any goals. I don't know what I want anymore. And it just so happened that he had just started going through a coaching program. Wow. And he said, would you like to be my first coachee? I said, I'll do anything. I just want to get rid of this pain and just leave this place where I am. And yeah. so we started coaching together. Wow. And one day he asked me about my finances and he said, are you making as much money as you can make? I said, absolutely not. <laughs> he said, why not? I said, if I made money, the amount of money that I can make, I would lose all my friends and I don't think anybody would accept me. Wow. And it shocked me because it was not a thought I've ever had, but it came right out of my mouth. And his next question was, does that glorify God? Wow. And I thought, oh, my goodness. I had no idea I had limited myself like that. Well, it's interesting. You know, what I hear there is that sometimes when we're coaching, there are these things that are buried deep within us that we don't realize are in there. And as you started to have these conversations, you started to surface maybe some lies or some limitations you'd put on yourself that you didn't even know were there. That's all coaching is. Coaching is not your coach telling you what to do. Coaching is your coach bringing out of you what God has already put in there. Wow. And I did not know that. In fact, I think we had had about five sessions before I realized that he had never told me what to do. (laughs) And I... (laughs) I said, you've never told me anything to do. He said, no, I just asked you what you want. Yeah. And it all came out of me. And that is the surprise of coaching. Wow. You know, there's something I say all the time, which is like the lie you believe becomes the lid on your life. And I feel like that's been true in my life. I've had things growing up where things were spoken over me and then I believed them. And I think we all have that. Man, when it comes to business, that now we're not only hindering ourselves, we're hindering our business. 
And we're hindering the potential of our business and the outcomes that we could have, the people that could be hired, the other people that could flourish and have a... The ministries we can bless, the people we can bless. That's right. The work of God that can go forth because, you know, when you start making more than you need, you have an overflow that you can use to bless the church, to bless other people, but you limit yourself when you don't allow yourself to grow to that because you put all these limitations on yourself. That's so, that's so, so powerful. So I have to ask the question. I'm sure our listeners are wondering this too. Like, what did you do next? (laughs) Well, unfortunately for me, ending that coaching session, or rather the series of those coaching sessions led me right into cancer. Wow. And cancer took about four years of my life. The cancer itself was not the issue, but I think the growth that I experienced just before that happened I really went into this place where I wanted to get to know me more. I stopped working pretty much. I still showed up and everybody thought I was doing well. But in reality, I was really into myself and really trying to seek God and seek what do I want? What do I not want? And I really evolved a lot during that process. So I went from just a place where I was just living day to day and existing to a place where I was able to build a life that I know I could thrive on. And I'm still in that evolving process even now. A lot changed. I changed my home. I changed my office, sold my office, bought a new place. I changed my friends. <laughs> Just a lot of changes have occurred over the last few years as a result of that. And now I'm beginning to flourish again. I'm beginning to coach again. I'm actually working on getting my ICF for certification and helping other people getting involved more in women's ministry and speaking more. And so it's, it's a process. Would it be fair to say that cancer was a crossroad for you? It really was. And I hate to say it, but I feel like it was a blessing for me. It was something that really solidified my relationship with God and also brought a lot of growth out of me. The cancer itself is not something I'm thankful for, but the outcome is what I'm grateful for. Wow. Yeah. And, you know, anyone who's been on a a cancer journey and has survived the other side can just say out loud that only God can bring you through a trial like that. And, and you still stand on the other side of it. It's, it's, it's quite, that word is traumatic. Yeah. And I think, you know, for the first few weeks after the diagnosis, I just kept saying that word over and over. It's more of a mental journey for me than Mm -hmm. it was physical. Gosh, that's real. I want to know, like on the other side of it, though, like, what did you do differently? How did you show up differently? Because it sounds like as a result of that and as a result of that coaching conversation, there was these dominoes of you saying, well, that has to go. That has to change. This is not healthy anymore. That relationship's not healthy anymore. Like, talk to us about the mental fortitude you had to have to not only survive, but then make these changes. Well, it was a lot. One of the things that I realized is that I, I'm a giver. And when you're a giver, you're surrounded by people who take. That's just natural law. There's nothing wrong with being one or the other. So what I found was I found myself in a hospital bed with nobody around me. Wow. When I was in a nursing home for weeks, I think I had maybe three visitors. Wow. And I'm the one who goes to everybody. I'm the one who goes to host the baby showers, the bridal showers, and the hospitals visits and everything. And I'm looking around me going, where's everybody? 
And at one point I hired a personal assistant that was going to help me because I couldn't drive. So she would pick me up and take me to the office so I could sign checks and do things. And one day I asked her, I said, I don't know, where is everybody? Where are all my friends? Where are all those people that I helped? I said, I'm just devastated that there's no one there for me. And she said, it's not that they don't want to be there for you. She said, look at you. You don't look like you have cancer. You've lost weight. You look great. Your skin looks good. You never lost your hair because I didn't have chemo. So I didn't lose my hair. My hair is longer than all of my friends' hair. And she goes, we're looking at you in amazement, trying to figure out what's going on. How can she be sick? We're not even believing you're sick. Wow. And I thought, what? Yet here I am. My view of the whole thing was so different from the view that she brought to the table. So it it allowed me to give people grace. Another friend, I asked her, she said, Maureen, I didn't know what to say to you. That's why I never called. I knew you would have been there for me if it was me, but but it's you. I just didn't know how to handle it. Oh, man. So it put me in a place of humility where I was really able to help forgive people and just say, you know, from my point of view, it looked so different from their point of view and just cut people some slack. But it also helped me realize that I had some very toxic relationships in my life and they needed to go. Yeah. Some of them, I sat down, I had a conversation with them over a period of time and just said, you're not good for me. I don't need, want you in my life. And, you know, we took some time to work it through. One of them took two years to actually get to full stop wow. because there was just so much struggle within me because I loved this person yeah. and I knew they loved me, but I also knew they were not good for me. Wow. And some relationships I just totally walked away from without any explanation. When I see them, we hug each other. Are you okay? Yes, I'm good. But I also knew that was not right for me. So it really helped me to make several shifts in my life and to redefine who I am and what it is that I want out of life. Well, I love what you say in your, in this part of the magazine where you said, as intimidating as it was for me to start embracing myself, I discovered that the more authentic I was, the more I allowed others to walk in authenticity. The more transparent I was, the more those around me were honest with me and themselves. Let's unpack that for a second. You know, we we like to talk about what we're good at. Most of us are not good at having conversations about what we're bad at. Because the not so good traits that are in every one of us has been something that someone has used as a weapon against us. So we don't want to bring it up. And what I found was when I realized the things in me that were not so good or the things in me that needed work, and when I would embrace that and talk about that, it automatically let people take their masks off. Because that's what we are. We walk around with masks on. Mm-hmm. And when I took mine off, the people around me started taking theirs off around me. Wow. Because all of a sudden I could say to someone, oh, I'm not good at that. I don't want to do that because I'm not good at it. Or, oh, I have this weakness. For instance, last week I needed to have a new printer installed. And I couldn't get it done. I called my IT guy. He couldn't do it. So now I had to call customer service for HP to get it done. And I know that when I do things like that, it drives me nuts. Yeah. (laughs) I don't have the patience for it. By the time I'm done, I'm yelling at somebody, you know, and I didn't want to do that. So I asked my personal assistant, would you mind coming in and helping me take care of this? It's just being on the phone with them. They'll say, do this, do that. And a lot of times they even dial in and do it themselves. But it tests my patience. 
So I know that about myself. So why put myself in that position? Yeah. You know, when I was in college, I remember having this thought, you know, being a, I don't know if I was 19, 20, something like that. And I had this thought of, if everybody was like me, the world would be such a better place. (laughs) I'm serious. I had that much arrogance and just no self-awareness whatsoever. (laughs) And now I look back at that and think, oh my gosh, what I didn't even know then, (laughs) you know? (laughs) And unfortunately, most, you know, you go around today and you'll see adults who still feel that way. Yeah. Who are not as self-aware at all, but... Coaching really helped me become more self-aware. So I would see, okay, I'm not good at this. I'm good at this. This is not a good environment for me. This one is, you know, one of my favorite sayings now is I like to go where I'm celebrated and not where I'm tolerated. Wow. And I really make a point of that. It used to be when people celebrate me, I shy away because it felt uncomfortable. But now I embrace that. I want to be around people who celebrate me. When I'm in a position where people didn't act right toward me, I always want to stay there and convince them, I'm a good person. You really should get to know me. If you got to know me, you really would like me. But now I'm, I'm very unapologetic about it. If people don't like me or I don't feel comfortable in a situation, I remove myself from it. Mm-hmm. If I go somewhere and I'm celebrated and I'm, you know people want to engage with me, I want to engage with them. I don't get uncomfortable anymore. I can show up as me in any situation. And it's okay when people like me. And it's also okay when they don't. Because I don't like everybody. So I shouldn't expect everybody to like me. So I give them their power to be able to choose what they want for themselves. What I love about what you're saying is it's so freeing. You're freeing yourself. You're freeing others. And you're not putting this weight and expectation on yourself that, you know, you have to like me and I have to like you. It's like, no, I hope, I hope we like each other, but it's not, it's not a requirement. And I think that's so freeing. It really is. It's for me and also for them. Yeah. For the other party too. So, cause a lot of times, you know, we see something, you know, something about that person that just doesn't jive with me. And we try to put on the mask and just make it happen. And so much energy is wasted. Whereas there's a whole group of people out there who love you, who embrace you. Go spend time with those people. Go cultivate those relationships if you don't have that. Be happy. Be around other happy people instead of trying to make yourself fit into a box you don't belong in. I love that. Okay, let's switch gears and let's talk a little bit about life plans. I want our ladies to just glean from you a little bit on how you started to create these life plans of your own. How did it help you? And then how are you able to turn around and help others with these life plans? Well, the life plan was actually a course that I took through Dream Release Coaching in Atlanta. I took it remotely through Zoom and I had was with a one-on-one coach. And she gave me this template. It was 12 areas of my life that I had to look at. And in those 12 areas of my life, I had to come up with what my purpose for that area is, what my fulfilled future looks like. I needed to come up with a supporting scripture. What is the current reality? And what is the action plan to get me from where I am to where I want to be, as well as who will I be accountable for in that area? And when you pick 12 areas, that's a lot of work. It took weeks for me to finish this assignment. I called on my sister. I called on some friends. I called on my pastor in order to accomplish this. 
but I did it. So what I do now with other people is when I go into a coaching relationship with someone, we start out with a personality profile. I'm very familiar with the DISC, so that's what I use. So I give them a DISC profile. What the DISC profile I use does, it, it helps them identify their two strongest points. And then it lets them know what are the positive things, traits in those personality traits, and what are the things you need to work on. It's not about good and bad. It's about strengths and weaknesses. So we identify that so they get to know themselves a little bit. I'm like, oh, yeah, I do that. Oh, yeah, I do that. And so they can identify that. And then once we walk through that, then the next step is instead of doing 12, I always start out with three or four areas. Because after doing 12, I knew what a massive amount of work that was. So with my coaches, I do three or four. So they pick the three or four that they want to work on first. And that's where we start working on those things to build that character and to help them to identify where they want to be in those areas and then a path to get there. Wow. Well, I love that accountability. I heard you say, you know, and then who's going to hold me accountable in each of those areas. I think it requires a couple things. One, to your point, you have to have the right people in your life, the healthy people in your life who are already walking in a pretty good place in their own life and not falling apart to hold you accountable. But then also you have to be authentic. You have to put the walls down so that people can look behind that wall and help you see through, through that journey. And I'll be honest, like that's not always easy to do. It's not, but you know, one of the things I also have learned is, you know, you mentioned finding someone who's walking in that area in, you know, they're doing well. But what I also had to deal with was I can identify, say, for instance, I have a friend who's really good when it comes to her physical body, very disciplined. Yeah. Okay. But then she has another area of her life that's not so cool. Yeah. And how do you deal with that? Focus on the part where she's good. I used to say, because they're not well-rounded, then they can't help me. You know, somebody's overweight because they're overweight. They can't help me with my finances because that means they haven't got control of their body. Well, if they've got control of their finances, yes, they can help me in my finances. They may not be able to help me in my body. Find yeah. somebody else that will help me in my body. So using different people in different areas. So that was a learning experience for me because I was looking for this one person who this embodied everything. Yes. It's called and Jesus. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly who that is. So I think sometimes we do that and it's a form of sabotage, really. Yeah. Oh, that's it so is. And recognizing that and saying none of us is perfect. So let me yeah. find the areas of their life where I can emulate them and use that and the areas where maybe I may be able to help them so we can help each other wow. to walk through this together. That's so powerful. And I'll be honest, I've never, I've never thought about it that way. I think I've been looking for Jesus as well, versus really drawing out the area that I admire and respect in that person and telling them, Hey, the way that you do this, I really admire and respect. And I'd like you to help me versus just looking at their holistic and saying, well, they don't have it together in these other areas. I'm not even going to reach and out. And that's what it is. It's a very subconscious thing. We are looking for Jesus. We are looking for that model that, that would say, walk here and I walk there. And that leads me straight to God. Yeah. But no human being is ever going to fulfill that. So accepting that, when I say that to someone and say, you know, I want you to help me in this area. That feels good to somebody for you to say, hey, I see this, I recognize this in your life. 
And I want to be like you in that area of your life. That's uplifting to the person that's helping me. And so far, nobody has said no. Anytime wow. I ask people for help, they're like, wow, it took humility for you to ask me for help. But in addition to that, you lifted me up by asking me for help. And they do even better in those areas where they're not as good because now they have somebody that noticed something good about them. So it's good for both parties. That's so that's so powerful. I I love the way that you've kind of peeled back the idea of being able to reach out to people for areas that you're not strong in, but not expecting them to be perfect. I want to take a, a moment and just pause and say, as we start to wrap up our time with the ladies, what final thoughts would you have for them as you encourage them on the journey that they're on? My first thing is accept who you are. Accept yourself for who you are. That's where it starts from. As women, I think we have the tendency not to accept ourselves. We see our flaws more than we see what's good. You know, I have friends who look at a picture and they'll go, look at that Z on my face and look at this. And they always see the things that are wrong. Yeah. This whole palette before you and all you see is that tiny little zit on your face you know so embrace yourself accept yourself for who you are find out what are the great things about you if you don't know ask someone in fact just yesterday i had an email from my personal trainer she had trained me for several years and she said what is it about me that makes me stand out from others wow Ask your friends. They'll tell you, especially when you're asking for the positive things. Most people are able to do that. And you, if you have tail kicker friends like me who are going to tell you the truth about the bad stuff, I'll be glad to share that with you. So, you know, <laughs> but balance it out. Know that you have good traits and you have not so good traits and just embrace yourself. Work on yourself. Work on the things that you're not happy with. Happiness is not out there. Because my whole life, I was looking at, okay, I'm going to be happy when I graduate from college. I'm going to be happy when I get my first job. I'm going to be happy when. And happiness was always in the future. It was going to be when something else happened. But just get into a place where you can say, happy is right now. It's in the moment. If we don't find it in the moment, it's not in the future. It's not in the past. It's always in the moment. So what is it in the moment that I can be grateful for? I have a gratitude practice where I have to, before I go to bed every night, three or four things that I'm grateful for in that day. No matter how hard the day was, I have to say three or four things that I'm grateful for. And that helps me to focus on the positive. We have the tendency to focus on the negative things, turn it around. And I think everybody needs a coach. Right now I have two coaches. I'm working with one coach that's helping me to bring my best life forward. I'm working with another one that's helping me to build ministry because I'm trying to navigate this place where I'm having business and ministry together. So I have two coaches. Get a coach. And people say, I can't afford one. Yes, you can. There's always people looking for someone to practice on. There's always people who are still in their journey of learning or they're trying to get their accreditation. And so just reach out. There are people out there for every budget. I love that. This has been so amazing, Marin. Can you tell people, where can they find you? Well, very available on Facebook. My name, Maureen Adenobi, is a, is a great place to, to find me. My website is maureenspeaks.com. That's another way to get in touch with me. That's so awesome. Well, I hope everyone will avail themselves to follow you and to to just glean and learn from you because I know that I have today. 
Well, thank you so much for your time today, Marin. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed being with you today, Natalie. And thanks everyone listening. Yes, thank you ladies for joining the Thrive Today podcast. Be sure to follow, share this episode, subscribe on all your social media platforms and tell other women about this leadership podcast. And if you haven't stepped into a community yet, I wanna ask you a question. What are you waiting for? Join us over at thrivetoday.com. Hey, wherever you go, we want you to lead your life with leadership, community, and strength. We'll see you next time. Mm -hmm.